Welcome to Excavate, uncovering our place in God's story. I'm Heather Strongmore. And I'm Jamie Dawn. Today, we're kicking off a summer series reflecting on some short phrases that might be easy for modern readers to miss. We'll be taking some time to slow down and reflect on the way these women can speak to us even with minimal words. Today, we're going to look at two early leaders recognized by Paul in a list of greetings in the letter to the Romans. So we often point out that there's many people in scripture who aren't named. So when we do get a name, it's very special. And we should pause and consider what that might be trying to teach us and why that specific name is recorded. And we also know that scripture tells us that we only know a sample of what Jesus did on the earth. John 21, 25 even says the earth itself couldn't contain all the books if all the acts that Jesus did were to be written down. I love that. And I think that kind of can be applied and we can conclude that we only know a sample of the stories of the early church and even the way that God was moving before Jesus came to earth. So when we do get a picture of a story and how God is moving in a particular life, I think we can know that that's a very intentional choice on the behalf of the Lord, uh, that he is really choosing to make sure that we know this story. So I think it's helpful when we pause and look at some of these stories. And we also know that all of our routines are changing a bit over the summer. So you might not be making the same drives or your same podcast listening routines. So we thought it'd be a fun time to dig into a few of these short mentions of women in scripture and dig into those and continue to have some of these summer shorts as we're kind of referring to them. Yeah, I love this idea, Jamie, because there are plenty of places in scripture where there's something interesting, but it's not necessarily enough to do an entire episode about. And we've done some episodes where we touched on several smaller things at once. So that is also really valuable. But I just love that we're going to try this. That's something a little bit new that gives us a chance to pick up on things we might have otherwise thought, oh, that is cool, but we can't necessarily get a whole episode out of that. So maybe we'll put that on the back burner. I just think this is going to be a fun way to dig back into some other things that we may not have highlighted before, but that are still just really interesting and give us fun insights into the people of God. Right. I I hope that we will hear versions of stories that maybe we haven't heard before or roles that women have played that we haven't looked at, including, it makes me think of the woman that we talked about who was a city planner and how easy her name would be to miss. And that's in the one for the money episode if you miss that one. But I just think there's so many stories where it would be so easy to miss it if we if we don't slow down. And so I'm I'm just so excited to dig into these these names and stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you're pointing us back to Romans 16 because we did spend a decent amount of time on this in season one as we were talking about Paul's work with women and his collaborations with women. And we highlighted there's several women in Romans 16. So it was actually a bunch (laughs) and we highlighted multiple of them. 
And then there were some where we read their names, but we didn't have time in that episode to really uncover more of their stories and what we do know about them. So I think this is perfect. This is something that we've referenced before and didn't totally have the room at the time. So I'm excited to come back to it. Yeah, so let's read this verse. We're going to read the whole verse and we're going to focus on the, the first part of it for most of our time. So again, like we said, this is in the closing of Paul's letters. It's in this place where he's doing a lot of greetings and there's a whole list of people that he is making sure that they greet which I think is also a way of Paul commending these folks to the Roman church saying, these are people that you can and should respect. These are people that I'm working with and kind of almost putting his seal of approval on them as well. If they needed an apostolic recommendation for them, he's kind of giving it in his greetings as well. So this is verse 12 in that chapter 16. Greet Trifana and Trifosa, or Trifana and Trifosa. I heard both ways when I was researching this. Those women work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. So, sounds pretty simple. A lot of people, I think, would almost just, if you're flipping in your Bible, see this list of names and think, I'm good. Like, okay, the, the letter's over for the most part. But again, we get so much when we realize that these are people who Paul is commending, that he knows, that he's worked with. And so when we hear that, for me, if I didn't do some research into some of these names, I would, we don't, I've never met anyone named Tryphena or Tryphosa. So I would not know whether or not that was a traditionally feminine or masculine name had I not done some research. And so what we do know is, again, and this is the NIV, um, not every translation would even say these women work hard for the Lord. Um, so you may not see that clarity in whatever translation you're reading. But what we do know is that these are likely twin sisters so in the same way that as Americans, sometimes we name twins, kind of cute names that go together. That's pretty much what they're doing here. They're naming them so that their names go together. Um, it's clear that they are from the same family line. And their names in themselves have a really significant meaning. So they are kind of indicating the status that these women come from, that they're likely coming from a high socioeconomic status. They are probably people who were like well-known or who just in general were coming from a higher level of society. And their names in and of themselves meant luxurious or delicate. It's kind of like this dainty name. So there's probably an indication when their her parents were naming these two women um, that they wanted them to be able to not work. That there was this idea of essentially saying, these are women who will not ever have to put their hands to anything because of their status, because of their parents' desire for their life, that they would 
just be able to kind of have these luxurious, delicate little lives. That's so interesting. Yeah. Again, things that you just wouldn't know unless you had had done the research yourself. So I appreciate you doing that for us, Jamie, because I haven't done that research on my own before. Yeah. And that's so interesting that they are likely wealthy and essentially living like some Kardashians or something <laughs> like is the assumption that their family was making that like, oh, they'll sort of be socialites is probably essentially what they were expecting for them of they'll live a life of luxury. They will be independently wealthy and in some ways maybe like fritter their time away of just like, oh, you don't really need to apply yourself to much because everything is being done for you. And even their names reflect that. That's fascinating that that's kind of been spoken over them. And yet the ways that God is entering their story and obviously that Jesus is inviting them into an identity that's much bigger than even what their families envisioned for them. Yeah, that was the exact illustration I was going to use earlier. I think <laughs> it's such a clear picture for us of what their lives probably would have looked like. Like imagine some bougie dinners and kind of that would be the big event of their day is just enjoying life really every single day. And so when you hear that, and that's their namesake and kind of the expectation, the declaration over their lives. Then the fact that the way that Paul recognizes them is those women work hard in the Lord. It's so fascinating. It's almost like this opposite picture of their name. And so now they are actually known for their labor. They're known by what they put their hands to. And in some ways, it's such a clear picture of them making a choice to surrender their previous life of status and luxury and instead to labor for the Lord. And so I think that's part of the beauty of digging into their names is you you kind of get this like fun little factoid about them, but you also get an invitation in that of like, what are the names that we tend to go by in our own lives? And are there ways that God is inviting me to surrender that and have myself identify more and more on the Lord's calling, what God is calling me into and is there a need to say no and choose to be known for something other than a previous way of life and I think that's such a compelling invitation that these women have such a stark picture of in their names that were given to them basically so they would never have to work and that Paul is instead identifying them by the very labor that they do put their hands to. Yeah. It makes me wonder if he's somewhat doing that intentionally so that the Roman church is also recognizing, hey, these women are different than maybe how you first perceived them or how perhaps an earlier reputation of theirs was in the the Roman community. I don't know, but I would assume if their family's wealthy, they might be somewhat high profile. You know, I, aristocracy is often fairly high profile in society. And so it'd be very interesting if they 
maybe the church had a perception of like, these are some gossip girl Upper West Side, <laughs> you know, like prep school grads um, who don't care about anything, who aren't reliable, who aren't going to work hard. We don't know. You know, we're, this is a little bit of speculation, but it would be interesting if he's purposefully commending their hard work in order to affirm a new identity and to make sure that the early church in Rome is also allowing them to change, is allowing their identity and their reputation to change. And that Paul is co-signing that with them to say, maybe they didn't used to work hard. Maybe they, nobody expected them to before, but Jesus has entered their lives and changed them and invited them into a new story. And we need to let them change and enter that new story and see them through a different light as well. That's so good. Yeah. That's really interesting to think about because that is, a piece of what he's doing, I think generally in the letter, he starts it by saying it to Phoebe, uh, that he commends Phoebe to the group. And then he's also basically saying that he puts his stamp of approval on these folks as well. So I think that makes a lot of sense what you've said, Heather. And I think, yeah, I just think that's such a good reminder for us too to consider that for our own lives of where are the places that I haven't allowed someone to grow and change and only see them by past experiences and have the expectation that they haven't grown and to instead say of course Jesus would be changing us and growing us and molding us um I I recently saw someone that I hadn't seen in a very long time and I had to be really intentional with some of the questions that I asked to not overly reference like former periods of life and to just get to know this person for who they are right now and um not to like encourage that we leave everything behind but to just invite myself to not ask questions that were presumptuous to get to know who is this person right now and how can I assume that they have grown and invite them into this space to like bring these new parts of themselves that they've grown into. Mm, yeah, that's so good. That's such a good reminder. And I think Paul knows that better than anybody. You know, when he was Saul, when he was someone who was a Jewish leader who was persecuting the church and his reputation was well known and they were terrified of him and obviously would have, they probably had friends, you know, the church in Jerusalem, would have had friends that he probably helped imprison or kill. And so he really needed someone and did have someone at that time who co-signed him, who said, Hey, we used to know this person in this one way. And now they've encountered, now he's encountered Jesus and he's different and we can accept him as a new person and allow him into our community and give him a chance to follow Jesus and let Jesus radically change his life. <laughs> So I just think it's very interesting that Paul, almost more than anybody, his his reputation was so severe that he knows the value of needing to rebrand, <laughs> like a gospel rebrand and having somebody else help you do that. And so, it, yeah, it just would be so interesting if if that's an element of what he's doing here is helping them rebrand and letting the, the congregation know, let's let's now know them for other things beyond their past reputation. Yeah, that's really good. It brings me to my 
next in point, but I'm seeing it with fresh eyes now, actually. So what's interesting is these women, their names are basically sandwiched between enslaved or once enslaved people. So I originally was seeing that as like this picture of equity in the early church. And I think that's a piece of what Paul's doing here is that he would sandwich like basically socialites with people who were once enslaved. Um, so the twins occur immediately after a mention of the household of Narcissus. And that's basically a well-known freedman. Uh, so groups of slaves um, would be that household. And so we see that. And then in the verse that I read, Persis is mentioned. She's paired with these sisters, which it's possible that like that close pairing is because the three of them work together. We, It's kind of unclear. We don't really know, but I saw a lot of folks who said that's that could be the case. Um, her name is Persian, so she likely came to Rome as an enslaved person. And Paul, we didn't get this in the NIV translation, which is actually interesting. He says, greet my dear friend. But in other, like in the Greek, it says the beloved. And people were pointing out that it's intentional that he uses like a general article there, not my, um, which he would do about some other people. But there's a sense here that she's beloved by many people. And also that Paul's not like taking ownership of his relationship with her in a seemingly intentional way compared to some other folks that he mentions. So it could be because of um, he's kind of saying she she's so loved by all of us. It could be that he's doing that intentionally because she was enslaved. Um, we, we don't know, but it is interesting. And so maybe these socialites were working closely with her, or maybe Paul is just purposefully mentioning their names in a pairing that there's no difference for them, that there's this, these are all people who are laboring for the Lord and who are doing really good work. And that there's not a separation in his mind necessarily of socioeconomic status or sex within culture. Like that there's just, these are all people who are laboring for the Lord. And Heather, as you were talking, I was thinking, I wonder if part of this is that these were people that he was trying to get to see as equals in the sense of like, these were once enslaved people. And I'm telling you that they are now our beloved sister, our beloved, you know, co-laborers. And I wonder if that's also a piece of why he sandwiched Trifina and Trifosa within those stories of people who were known by one thing and who he's now inviting to see in a more liberated form. And so it's interesting. I was only seeing that in terms of like their social status. Um, but I think there, there could be a lot more to that even. Yeah, that's super interesting. 
Right. Cause I, I wrote a paper on in a seminary class on Romans 16. It's just been multiple. It's been several years. So it's just not fresh for me, which is why I'm not speaking knowledgeably about plenty of this. Um, but at the time, my main thesis for that paper was that I think Paul is, and I'm not the only one who thinks this, that Paul is using his greeting as an additional teaching tool in the letter, that it's longer than any other epistle that he writes. It's very long <laughs> and very comprehensive. And maybe you could say that's because, oh, the church in Rome is just really big. And so there's a lot of people there that he wants to greet. And he spent time there. He was imprisoned in, he was a, under house arrest in Rome for a while. Um, but I think there is room to also say that he's just additionally teaching them. This is what the effect of Christ looks like. This is what the people of God looks like. And this is what it looks like for us to be a unified people and to be co-laborers in the gospel. And so I, I think there is plenty of room then for us to say the way that he's talking about these people, the way that he's greeting them, the order in which he's listing their names, there's a strong chance that that's intentional and that he is intending for the Roman church and for us as a modern audience to be able to learn and get these glimpses of this is what transformation looks like. This is what life together can look like and the ways that it is the gospel is a radical equalizer and uh, just something that can, again, invite us into a new story and a much bigger community and a much bigger family than we would have ever imagined and invites us to reimagine ourselves and those people around us. Yeah, I do think that's such a good way of saying that about this is still a part of his teaching. Because even if you look at Romans in comparison to a lot of his other letters, there's teaching tucked into every single piece of it. And so it makes sense that he's he's got this clear teaching letter. It's very theologically rich that he's continuing that in this portion of the greetings. And yeah, I just love that picture of these, these equitable partnerships that he has with people but then also he's inviting other people to imagine what that can look like in co-laboring in the gospel mm -hmm. exactly so thank you jamie thanks for your research and preparation i think this was such a fun start to our summer shorts you can see just from a few names in one verse there's so much beauty that can be uncovered from this so i hope that this conversation reminds all of us, first of all, to reflect on how our lives have changed, how we have grown and matured over the years as we have followed Christ or as, yeah, as you have grown as a person. And that then that gives us a reminder of how are we letting the people around us grow as well? How are we letting people be different from maybe how we knew them years ago or in a different chapter of life or a different location in Maybe we all lived in the same city and we did certain things at that age and now we've all moved and that gives you new experiences and new growth and we're giving each other the room to have, have changed and to have encountered Christ in new ways over the years. So I hope that those are helpful and interesting reminders for all of us. 
Thanks for digging in with us today. Stay in touch, even though, again, it's summertime. Maybe our schedules are different, but please do subscribe to the podcast. Please share it with a friend if you're visiting people and maybe going on vacation. Let them know about the podcast. Invite other friends into finding their place in God's story as well. And please do share on social media. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you're doing. Thanks for digging in with us today.